0: Hello and welcome back to the Broplist podcast. As always, I'm joined with Nathan and we have more Middlesbrough action to get our teeth into. But before we do that, Nathan, apart from the football, how, uh, how are you doing? How's uh, the last week or so gone? Obviously, in the build up to Christmas. I don't know if you've finished for uni just yet, but um, yeah, it's always a nice time of the year, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I'm doing well. I've had a few assessment deadlines in in the last week, but they've been hit the nail on the head. So buzzing to get done for Christmas, have a little bit of time off and uh, watch some football. And yeah, get ready for for Christmas, stuff in your face and having a
0: few drinks. So I think everyone's ready for that at this time of year, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously... I mean, I don't think listeners or watchers of the podcast might know, but you have been to the darts this week as well. How was that? Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Love the darts. First time I've been to Alexandra Palace. And yeah, unfortunately, I didn't quite put my plan into place, which was on them cards. Uh, You're not allowed to put football things on your cards, apparently, Uh, like hashtags of clubs and things like that um but my plan was to draw a train and get everyone all aboard the tuba train yeah it wasn't to be unfortunately
0: uh yeah that is quite sad i didn't know about the whole train plan that we could have maybe tried to sort of get some attention drawn to that so it's a shame that that didn't come off i didn't actually know about the whole like no football sort of rule now as well um which is pretty pathetic from from the pdc um But yeah, um, just before we move on from that, um, obviously, I know what you went dressed as. I don't know if you want to share what, I mean, I'm not sure if you made it onto the TV screens, but obviously, if you didn't, I think it's only fair that you you let the listeners and and watchers know if they had have seen you, what they would have seen you dressed as. Well, I actually was on Sky as well, which yeah.
1: is quite funny. But yeah, um, I was in a group of lads and we all went as the Toy Story cast. And I was <laughs> and I was Bullseye, uh, the horse. So yeah, really good night. It's all part of the fun,
0: I guess. Fancy dress, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I'm quite disappointed I haven't seen that. So if you have the recording of that, please do... Um send it my way because i would quite like to see just a horse popping up on sky sports with your with your uh your face stuck in the middle of it um not <laughs> something that you see every day on sky sports but still very funny especially in the build-up to christmas but uh yeah enough talk about nathan dressed as a horse and obviously <laughs> the darts um there was football at the weekend, Nathan, of course, the second game back following the international break from the from the World Cup. Um, and it took place at Turf Moor. Um, last podcast, we pretty much slated what a place Burnley is. In fact, that would be a little bit harsh. Not Burnley as a place, but more so just the stadium and the fact that it's old and quite rotten, to be honest. Um I guess they got the last laugh, really, didn't they? They did in the end. And it was
1: a funny game that was a bit edgy early on. But as the game drew on, Burnley, well, proved their quality really, improved why they are top of the league. They performed really well in that second half and got the just rewards. But to start the game, Borough. Unchanged for what feels like the 10th game in a row, or something. Pretty much every Michael Carrick game, we've been unchanged. The only change to the squad was no Matt Crooks, unfortunately. The match winner in the last two games against Norwich and Luton was left out of the squad with a knock that he suffered. On train uh, at training on Thursday. So it appears that he's going to be out for the Boxing Day fixture against Wigan as well, which is unfortunate. But yeah, unchanged. And going into this game, I think it was sort of a test for Borough to see where we really are at. We've done well in the last month or so under Michael Carrick against sides that are in and around us. But this was sort of a, a test to decide where we where we really are at against a side that are top of the league and have performed really well all season. In the early stages, I felt that we did quite well. Uh, sat in our shape and limited Burnley. Let them have the ball, but just sat in and limited them going forward, really. Wasn't too much in terms of chances in that first half. The main one was a chance for Johan berg Goodmanson going through on goal. That was... I kind of thought it was offside. I was at the game on on Saturday and thought it was offside. But on reflection, on the on the replays, he was not. Ryan Giles played him on. And he's tried to bend it in the near, near corner from a tight angle, but Stefan is there to save it with his midriff. But... Yeah, apart from that chance, there was sort of a a little bit of a panic in stoppage time at the end of the first half as Burnley attacked us. But not a lot in terms of Middlesbrough chances either. Um, Of course, sat in our shape. Our aim was to counter-attack when possible. And there wasn't all too many opportunities. There was maybe one in that first half where Riley McGree picked up the ball and he had options left and right. He had force to his left and he had Jones and Tuber to his right. And in, and instead of going left, which I think a lot of the fans in that way were sort of hoping that he would go because it looked like the better option, he opted to go right and it came to nothing, unfortunately. But to go in at halftime, nil-nil, I was quite pleased with that in the stand. Of course, you watched the game on TV, Chris. What did you make of that first half?
0: Yeah, yeah, like you say, very much the same for me. Um, Pleased with the way that we were dealing with Burnley. Um, You know, there was times where we were inviting a little bit of pressure on, but I never felt we were too, you know, under the cosh. Um, And, you know, even going into the game, we, we knew it was going to be a very difficult test. And it was interesting. Obviously, you know, we haven't faced Burnley up until this point in the season. And, you know, although some and probably a large majority of Middlesbrough fans will have been fully aware that the Burnley that we were going to play at Turf Mill was going to be different to the sort of stereotypical Burnley. Um, I actually felt our performance in the first half sort of managed to nullify everything that they've been good at this season, really. Um, as I say, I, I never really felt too terrified. Um, you mentioned the Goodmanson chance. I thought it was a mile and then, as you say, um, it actually turns out Giles is playing him on. Um, but apart from that one, yeah, I, I must say, I thought although we didn't attack very much, you mentioned the the one where McGree just picks the wrong ball in the end. Um, we we limited them to yeah one major chance really, and you know especially away from home, I was uh, I was definitely pleased to be going in at nil nil yeah and then a change
1: at half time as well Marcus Force left the pitch and Duncan Watmore came on and talk about an impact substitution forty eight minutes on the clock Borough go one nil up and it was a goal that was literally out of nothing um a ball that goes sort of astray from Burnley trying to be kept in by Manuel Benson and <laughs> Yeah, OK, he's trying to keep it in, but probably in the worst possible way I've ever seen. He's launched the ball 20 yards over the heads of his back four, and more's on that last line of defence, anticipates it well, gets him behind, and he's running through on goal, and he just slides it in that near post of Murich's goal, and Borough will 1-0 up, so... Sort of against the runner play to a point, Burnley did have the opening stages of possession in that second half, and to go one nil up was pleasing, but from my point of view, as a as a fan in the stand of that away end, at Turf Noah, I did know and kind of expect that Burnley were going to come out after that, following that, and it had almost be a bit of a wake-up call for them and that they would fly out of the traps quickly. And if they did get one goal back relatively quickly, they probably would go on to get that that sort of one, to get them in front as well. But yeah,
0: Duncan, what more it? What did you make of his finish, Chris? Yeah, I thought it was actually a terrific finish. Um you know, we've seen over the years, Duncan Watmore miss a handful of, you know, quite um I don't want to say easy because you know if I put myself in that position who knows I could potentially do even worse than Duncan more um and I probably would to be totally honest with you but um yeah we he sort of towards the back end of last season almost developed a bit of a reputation for missing these sort of easy chances and scoring the more difficult ones and he almost made his goal looked like an easy chance and it wasn't at all. It was a great first touch just to take him a little bit closer towards uh, the Burnley goal and then he, I mean, as as calm as you like just rolls it past um, Murrock in the the Burnley goal and he stands no chance um, yeah, an immediate impact and you know it would have been interesting, and I'm, I'm sure Marcus Force was was very annoyed because he spent the first half sort of chasing loose balls and, and not really getting involved, and then he gets taken off, and you know the the striker in this situation, Duncan Watmore, his replacement at halftime, gets the sort of chance that you know Marcus Force has been crying out for really. Um, but yeah, I guess Duncan Watmore's job was to put the ball in the back of the net and he he did that and, as I say, made that immediate impact. But yeah, like you've mentioned, you you almost felt like that goal sort of poked the bear a little bit in Burnley and, and woke them up and you almost felt like they were going to then come back with even more almost. And, and sort of, uh, as you say... I, I didn't want to ever be in a position where I'm expecting the other team to score, but I always felt like if they didn't score, they'd have very good chances and they'd put us under a lot of pressure. And and actually the man that um, gifts us our opener is the man, which then terrorises us to, uh, to put his team back in the lead, two pieces of, of brilliance from him and, yeah, it was um, a difficult, a difficult day for Ryan Giles on that left, trying to deal with Benson. Yeah, it was, and but just before that, Tuba
1: had a possible penalty appeal turned down um, in the stand. If you've ever been to Turf Moor, everyone listening to this, you'll know that the view from the away end is quite poor at times. You can't really see the. Well, the goal, first of all, because you're you you sort of you're not steep enough, I don't think. You, you're sort of thrown back into the stand, but not steep enough, so you can't see the byline. But, yeah, my, my vision was slightly impaired, um, and I couldn't see if Tuba was in the Burnley penalty area or not. But it looked to me like it was a blatant foul from Bayer, who who tackles Tuba, doesn't win the ball, just kicks him. And the referee waved it away. Um, as I've seen the replay, I know now that it was committed outside of the box, but to see no foul given for that was was incredibly poor. But as you say, Chris, Burnley were going to come out after, after conceding that goal. And it was that man, Manuel Benson, who sort of turned the game on its head, single-handedly pretty much. And his first goal was, I mean, it's an an outstanding finish, really. Um, Gets that ball on that right-hand side. He's isolated Ryan Giles. And I think Benson's a player where, even though you know what he's going to try and do, which is come in on that left foot and either get a shot off or put a cross into the box, it's very difficult to stop him because of his body movements that are showing that he's going to go down, down the line. But yeah, he isolates Giles on that on that left hand side, and yeah, he, he shows Giles inside, and yeah, it's 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 a brilliant finish into the near post, and it pulls the game level. The only sort of grievance that I do have with that is how easily Burnley did isolate Benson on that side with Giles. We know as well as anyone that Ryan Giles isn't really your out and out left back like a George friend possibly would have been a few years ago. And defensively, it's not his best attribute, but my frustration is that there isn't a midfielder in there alongside him that is covering his inside. You right, watch watching the replay, Riley McGree sort of jogging back into position. I feel that he should possibly be in there tucking in, helping helping Ryan Giles down that side from probably Burnley's best and most influential player uh, in Benson. But yeah, he gets them back into that game. And then very quickly gets them in the lead of the game as well. Um, Again, Burnley attacking down down their right-hand side with Benson. And it looks like nothing's going to really come of this. Um, Benson has the ball at his feet. And this time, McGree has has tucked in, helped Giles. And they both stood there sort of anticipating what Benson's going to do. And Benson stood there, sort of just flicks across into an area and it evades Jay Rodriguez, who's the man that he's intending to hit. It takes that bounce in the six yard box and it carries all the way, all the way through, clips off the far post and into Zach Steffen's net and Borough, then on. From, well, from then on, it, it was always going to be a, an uphill battle to get anything from that game. But there's been a lot of talk since the, the, the Burnley game and, and since full-time and since that goal went in pretty much about Zach Stefan and his possible impact on, on that goal and the possibility of him saving that. A lot of fans feel that he should save that. What was your take on it, Chris?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um just before we uh yeah throat really is gone. Um <laughs> <laughs> just before we uh go into the Stefan debate, which I know a lot of our actual listener questions wanted to know about anyway. So instead of sort of doing it listener questions we can go on with very shortly. Um but just as you say disappointing in terms of both of those goals that, you know, I mean, firstly, everyone knows what Benson wants to do every time he gets the ball. And although sometimes he will go down the flank and, and try and whip one in with his weaker foot, I think a few of the times that he did do that, he pretty much kicked it out for the goal kick. Um, this you know, there's certainly a weakness Um, there or certainly it's not as strong as his left foot, which is, you know, a given. Um, so it was disappointing not for for Ryan Giles to to show him outside the first time and then the second time where he's allowed to float that crossing with his left foot, obviously giving him the angle to, you know, if no one does get that f- um, final touch, it, it's always going to be heading towards Zach Steffen's back post anyway. So yeah, um, from a defensive point, of view, dreadful goals to concede, um, and it's it was pretty much Burnley's game plan all afternoon just hit Benson and it was to, to see the fact that, I mean, Lloyd gave us an assist. He also had, you know, a massive deciding factor in the game for Burnley. And um, yeah, I think Ryan Giles will know as well as anyone that what he should be doing, he should be showing him outside and, and not allowing him to cut inside. But as you say, you know, you see players like Mo Salah and I'm not saying he's on the same level as him I and Robin played off the right for years and and still managed to score the same goal every week cutting on his left and in fairness you know Benson his body movements his body shape and his dribbling ability is is really impressive and to be fair if if Burnley don't go up this season I could see Benson you know moving on because he really really did impress me on Saturday um but onto onto Stefan as as you did ask. Um, I actually, perhaps surprisingly, because you know Middlesbrough haven't really been fortunate, especially since we've done this podcast in terms of goalkeepers. Obviously, we had Joe Lumley and Luke Daniels, um, Liam Roberts come in for a spell this season and did okay. But I actually feel that the criticism towards Zach Stefan is somewhat harsh. I don't know how you feel about that. I feel the second goal is positionings not fantastic. Um, The first one, I even saw some complaints that he was beating at his near post, but I just think it's a good strike in fairness. Um, I'd look at the first goal as more of a defensive problem as towards a a goalkeeper issue. Um, Yes, perhaps Stefan should maybe have taken that extra step towards his right with the anticipation of, of that ball coming in and, and curving towards his back post. But I think you, you're you picking up on, on minor details there. And although the the goals didn't cover him in, in glory at all, I actually was not concerned, but I more looked towards some of his body language and just his relaxed nature i think we know that he has that now and it's not going to go away but even against Luton we saw we saw the incident where he he takes too long to kick it and then they kick it off of Luton into the back of our goal and sometimes i just think that he, he he's almost too relaxed and i know that's just his play style and you know he's he's his parent club goalkeepers are almost expected to be like that but I just don't want to see the sort of Zach Steffen of the Chris Wilder era a creep back in where he was doing these things quite consistently because up until Saturday, throughout Carrick's full tenure really, he's been really, really stepping up his game and, and showing why he's at Man City and, and showing why everyone was so excited by his signing um, obviously in the summer. So yeah, I, I think the some of the criticisms a little bit undeserved. I, I do think that he needs to maybe sharpen up in certain areas and, and be a little bit quicker um in terms of his kick when he's being pressed by forwards. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think calls for him to be dropped for Boxing Day and things like that are, are far too soon.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um It always sort of gets on my nerves, the... Um the calls when it's when a goalkeeper is beating at his near post that there shouldn't be, because I think, well, a player can smash it in any corner and he's got to cover the full goal. He doesn't have to just cover his near post. Um, so that's, that's always a frustration from me. Benson could whip that one in that far corner and people would still make, make sort of judgments on, on Stefan's positioning. Um, and that's that second goal. Yeah, okay. I think I think initially I was quite frustrated to see that ball go all the way through. But yeah, I'm not sure he can do all too much about it. He is stood there anticipating a header from either Rodriguez or a deflection from one of our defenders to go goal bound, and. Unfortunately, it's it's curved all the way in. My frustration is possibly the third goal, which comes from a corner. Um the corner's an in swinging corner and it's going to that near post. And yeah, the aim is to defend, defend it. And Johnny Housen's tried to flick that flick that ball on. And unfortunately, he's flicked the ball past everyone and into. The corner of his own goal but my frustration would be with Stefan coming to get get balls from corners every time I think his judgment just needs to be a bit more conservative rather than so aggressive every time um I think that he possibly just needs to sort of limit Coming out every every single time, I don't mind it every so often when the ball is there for him to to be won. But he's going into a crowd of bodies there, and he he was never going to win that ball on Saturday afternoon. And I said uh, at two one Burnley, it was always going to be difficult for Borough to get back into the game. But at three one, the game was well and truly dead dead and buried. Even after later on in the game, a red card and a penalty to bora in in stoppage time at the end of that game which i suppose we'll get on to now with the the sort of action in that well well the action following that third burnley goal there wasn't much that went on um so penalty action <laughs> the ball ends up floating down towards Burnley's goal. Two Rackpons three or four yards out from goal. Mew Rich is at the penalty spot and there's Burnley defenders on the line trying to cover. The ball's dropping down dropping down and dropping down and you slowly start to see ex-Borough player Connor Roberts' hand start to rise into the air and make a forward motion uh, towards the ball. You see the ball move forward as it drops just below the crossbar. And the roar from the away end is handball because that's what the action looked like from the away end. And after what felt like an eternity for the referee to decide what he had just seen, he eventually points to the spot, looks at his linesman. I'm pretty sure his linesman must have just shrugged at him because I don't think he had a clue what went on either. But the replays do show that despite Connor Roberts trying his best to play volleyball, he doesn't actually handle the ball. It hits the crossbar and... Burnley were going to get away with a bit of a Borough effort. But Conor Roberts eventually... I I mean, I I did see after the game, BBC Tees had had tweeted that he was immediately dismissed. I think it was anything but immediate. It took about 10 minutes for the referee to give the pen and then sent Conor Roberts off. Um, But he did walk in the end... And Tuba stepped up for the penalty in front of the away end in the 92nd minute of six added on, 3-1 down. And he puts it to the keeper's right in that bottom corner. But Muric is equal to it, gets down low, saves it, grabs hold of it, and it's summed up. A very, very
0: difficult afternoon for Bora at Turf Moor. What did you make of Tuba's penalty, Chris? Yeah, do you know what? Honestly, I don't know if it was just Harry Kane um, scarring me for life. But considering, you know, Tuba's been in fine form and has scored penalties already this season, as soon as he had the ball in his hands, and I know it sounds easy for me to say this, and you'll probably think, well, anyone could say that. I knew he was going to miss. And I actually think there is a a more sort of deeper issue surrounding this. And I guess it, it sort of ties in with the fact it took so long. I always feel when a penalty taker has that long to decide, and especially because Akpom had picked the ball up quite early, you know, Murak had the chance to get in his head. The Burnley players had the chance to have a few words. He was standing it, it must have been approaching the three or four minute mark by the time he actually runs up to take the penalty. And I just feel like that amount of time, sometimes it just becomes too much and, you know, the penalty taker might change the mind. Okay. Yes. She in fine form and, you know, one penalty miss doesn't mean that he's a, a bad player or a bad penalty taker all of a sudden. But yeah, I just, I wasn't confident at all. And, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a convincing penalty. He didn't really put much behind it. Um, didn't really disguise where he wanted to put the ball um, very well. And, yeah, as you say, it, it just capped off a disappointing um, but difficult afternoon. And, yes, it's it's not the end of the world, but it certainly would have been interesting to see how uh, how those last few minutes would have gone if, if Tuba had stuck that away. Yeah, and
1: I think this game was exactly
0: what we said it was
1: at the start of the game. It was a test to see where we are at. And I think that in spells, we looked okay against a side that have been, well, fantastic so far this season. They're top of the league for a reason. They play really good football, kept the ball well. And... In the first half, we did extremely well to stay in our shape, limit them to not a lot of chances in that first half. But I think in that second half, the momentum started swinging in their favour a little bit with chances going their way and they worked their chances really well to switch the ball out out wide to their left-hand side in order to isolate Benson on the other side, quickly switch it over to that other side. And then Benson has a free run at Ryan Giles. Um, It was the, the play in that sense, kind of like we did under Chris Wilder last year with Isaiah Jones, switching it left and then isolating their winger on that other side to get a run on the fullback. Um, but, yeah, I think a defeat away from home at the league leaders isn't the worst and most worrying thing um, to think about for Middlesbrough at this moment in time. I think, okay, we were unfortunate in some moments. It raised some questions in some moments. Um, But on the whole, I wasn't overly disappointed with our performance on Saturday afternoon. I thought that we, yeah, I thought that we did okay, and in the end, Burnley's quality just just shone that little bit brighter.
0: Yeah, I think my only other real sort of gripe about the game, I guess, was, you know, we've we've proven under Michael Carrick that. Um, we're a, we're a good team and we can cause teams problems. And, you know, OK, yes, we didn't do it a lot, but we caused Burnley some problems. Um, and I just felt, especially after we scored, we we almost retreated a little bit and, and showed Burnley a little bit too much respect. Um, and I don't know whether that's just because of the position that we've sort of come from in this season, given that, you know, only a few weeks back or a few months probably now, we were you know, looking over our shoulders and, and being really concerned about what position we were finding ourselves in and the fact that Burnley have pretty much from day dot this season been up there um challenging for those top two spots. And yeah, I just felt like we could have been a, a little bit more aggressive. We could have, you know, tried to get in their faces a little bit more when when we did um take the lead and, and, and stop them sort of doing what they wanted to do. But you know, as you say, um, I think the game plan probably always was going to be nick a goal and, and see where we can go from that point. Um, so I can understand, you know, what we try to do. Um, and, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, I guess, as you say, it, it was decided by a few of Burnley's players shining a little bit brighter than ours and especially Benson and yeah. I think he's a, a real top player, and as I say, if, if Burnley don't go up, which, in fairness, I think they will do. I think they're as good as up, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think I think Benson will, will be a, a star for them or a star for someone else, and it is quite funny that, actually, they were without um, Teller, and, actually, I don't think Benson's been a consistent starter for them this season. Um, I know he's got a good record, but he seems to come off the bench an awful lot, so... Yeah, it just so happened he, he had that performance to shine and I'm not sure he'll be uh, back on the bench anytime soon after that. But yeah, as as I say, disappointing that we, we couldn't hold on for a little bit longer and be a little bit more aggressive. Um, but not the end of the world by any stretch. Um, just before we move on to Wigan, Nathan, I know I mentioned it and we sort of did cover it. All of the questions following the game um, was about Zach Steffen, Liam Roberts. Um, I know BBC T's tweeted out who should start on Boxing Day and they got a little bit of grief for that. And, and, yeah, I've already made my opinions clear. I think you kind of also did say the same. But for me, there's there's absolutely no chance that Michael Carrick will sort of bow in and and be reactionary and, and takes uh, Zach Steffen out of the team. I think... He just needs to stop being so erratic, really. Um, And also, I guess one thing that perhaps hasn't been mentioned, it may well be a factor in, you know, some of these little lapses in con- concentration or a loss of confidence is, you know, he's fresh off the back of seeing his national team go to a World Cup, um, take points off England, progress out of the group stages. And for the majority of that qualifying campaign, he was in the team. We obviously saw the article in the Athletic a few weeks back that he was struggling with um, his mental health going into the, the last qualifiers before the actual tournament. And that's why he withdrew from the the USA team. And, you know, there may still be a, a little bit of an a overhang, I guess, of disappointment and, and sort of a, a loss of confidence because, you know, for someone that, plays for Man City and had played for USA an awful lot. I think you've got to sort of look at it from a human point of view and think, well, his confidence probably has taken somewhat of a, well, more than somewhat, quite a huge knock, to be honest. And it's about rebuilding that and, and showing what he was doing um, up until really this this Burnley game.
1: Yeah, of course it is. And... You've just got to hope that the fans sort of get off his back a little bit and just give him the backing. Um, In an ideal world, fans wouldn't criticise their own players for every possible mistake that they make. But that's just the nature of the sport, unfortunately. And mistakes do um, incite reactions from fans and... People have, have, have sort of seen the goals that went in on Saturday and some have got the view that that those goals are partly Zach Stefan's fault. And, yeah, I think the hope for me is that he sort of recovers from, from the backlash that he's received and puts in a 10 out of 10 performance against Wigan and keeps a clean sheet and Borough get a win. And that continues on into the, the Christmas period and the new year as well. So, yeah, just just to sort of finish up on, on the Burnley um, aspect of the podcast. The results on Saturday sort of went in our favour as well in terms of the league. The sides around us didn't really pick up that many points. And if they did, there were draws. So... Borough, Borough were, were 12th at the start of this game week but with Birmingham's win against Reading on Friday night we dropped to 13th ahead of Saturday's games so Borough remain 13th for Christmas four points off the playoff places which we are in and around that pack now which is good to see hopefully we won't be looking over our shoulder too much hopefully the wins keeps keep rolling in and uh, a
0: defeat to Burnley is hopefully just just a blip along the road for Michael Carrick's men. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, you know, it's it's an awful lot better. losing the game and, and sort of almost looking ahead and thinking, oh you know, well, what are the other teams ahead of us done? Are we still within that pack? And we certainly are, as you say, four points off the playoffs. Going into Christmas, if you'd have said that to me before Michael Carrick took over. I- Honestly, would have called you an absolute mentalist. Um, it just goes to show what a turnaround we've had, and even against Burnley, I know I've just said there that I was disappointed we we showed them too much respect. But actually, you know, from the team that conceded last kick of the game against Preston to that team that you know lost against Burnley, it just goes to show how much things have shifted really, because. I come away from the Burnley game thinking, well, you know, there were still signs Burnley are a good team, but I fully believe that that we are as well. And I think we'd cause most teams in this division problems now. Um, one team, I guess, that we will be hoping to cause problems, Nathan, is Wigan Athletic, of course. They will be travelling to the Riverside on Boxing Day. There's nothing quite like a Boxing Day at the Riverside. You sort of, from about... Five o'clock onwards on Christmas Day, it's all oh, it's sort of in your mind already. I mean, for some people, it might even be earlier. Um, but yeah, it's always a good occasion, always a good crowd, and obviously, we now know there's few tickets remaining actually, so it's going to be a bumper one at the Riverside. Obviously, Wigan do have a new manager, um, they come off the back of a defeat to, to Sheffield United. Um, under the control of, of Colo Turi, which feels really bizarre for me to say. But um, I think it's fair to say that we're probably going to be playing against a different Wigan Athletic to the one that Leo's Middlesbrough team turned over 4-1 um, earlier on this season. Yeah, I think there will
1: be a different side. I think that there'll be possibly a little bit more well-drilled Um of course, the Colo's the, only been there for, for two games so far. Sheffield United is is a difficult test in this division. They're flying high, second in the league. So that was always going to be a difficult test. But in his first game, Wigan traveled to the den, which is as tough as it gets as an away fixture in the championship. And they got a point, came out with a point away at the den. And I think, as, as a Wigan fan, and you'd, you'd be massively pleased with that. And But as a neutral as well, looking at that result, you think, well, there must be a bit more resolute, more difficult to break down and just have a little bit of fight in them. Um, so it's going to be a very difficult test, I think. I think that Wigan are going to come here and try and sit in try and nick a goal if they do nick a goal see where it gets them but I think the onus is on us. We have to we have to come out we have to sort of put ourselves about and push our game onto them and hopefully we break them down early on and hopefully it's a, a comfortable afternoon at the office. Because I think the quicker it goes on without middles for breaking them down. I don't think there will be frustration from the from the stands. I think it will be the fans pushing us on. But it gets more difficult as the game goes on. We've we've watched games like this in the championship for many a year now. And they can be boring, they can be frustrating. But it's what the championships all about, and hopefully Bora come out on the right side of the result.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think just lastly on Wigan, obviously in terms of personnel, I think we'll probably see one change at least. I'd expect that that Duncan Watmore will probably come in for Marcus Force, given that he come off the bench and scored. Um, I know you said earlier it's sort of unclear whether Crooks will be fit or not, for Boxing Day. Um, But, yeah, I'd expect to see one more come in in place of force. Um, But who knows? I know Michael Carrick's very loyal to his players, so that might not even be the case. But, um, yeah, I guess that sort of leaves us um, just finally to say, um, well, this is the last game before before Christmas, Nathan. The last podcast, sorry, I should say. So um, I guess it's time for your famous christmas message um i've just called it famous um i'm not sure if it is i can't even remember if we did this last year on the podcast or not but i feel like we probably should have if we didn't um but yeah nathan if you'd like to say anything to the listeners or viewers before christmas i will as well um the floor's yours yeah although we haven't quite touched the
1: new year as of yet thanks to everyone for for the last year, listening to the podcast, watching the podcast. However, uh, you get your sort of intake of, of me and Chris waffling rubbish about borrowing your But, yeah, thank you, everyone, for, for listening and watching over the last year so far. And I hope everyone has a fantastic Christmas topped off with three points on Boxing Day.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same goes for me, obviously. I'm trying to think if we will have another podcast before New Year. We may well do, actually. So I guess we could do a, a Christmas and... A, a double header of a Christmas message and a message going into the New Year, which I'm sure everyone is dying to hear, Nathan. Um, but yeah, as you say, um in terms of this year, the sport's been brilliant. Um, the numbers seem uh continue grow. So hopefully we aren't boring people too much. <laughs> um and yeah, thank you ever so much even just for engaging with us on Twitter and, and things like that. And obviously we've uh we've we've had a couple of guests on this year. We'll we'll try and ensure that we get more on next year, um get some exciting announcements and that sort of thing sorted out. Um but yes from me Nathan as always thank you ever so much for watching and listening uh, if you've watched or listened um whether that be on youtube or any of your podcast providers please do subscribe and give us a kind rating it would uh, it would make our christmas um if that's not too cliche uh, <coughs> DMa, excuse me i've tr- i've been trying to mute my coughs throughout and i've just been caught out by one with about a minute left of this podcast um <laughs> But yeah, I'll stop talking now because I'll probably have a coffin fit in a second anyway. But yes, thank you ever so much for watching and listening. And that has been another episode of the Bropless Podcast.